You think that you're warm now. I can't wait to reach a scene that you're gonna... <laughs> that, well, the metaphor's getting away from me, but you'll be feeling warm soon. Okay, <laughs> I'm wondering whether you're gonna either make me feel very embarrassed for being exactly like Marius, or whether Javera is going to enter because I know that happens, but I don't know how soon it happens. Why can't it be both? Hey! Like, we've had the Marius Jean Valjean ship, but now you're going to ship him with Javert because you know that you're Marius. Oh, no! No, <laughs> self-insert! No, Victugo's self-insert has become my self-insert in this fanfiction that I'm currently writing. Oh, God! <laughs> no. Well, hmm. There can't be any fix between them, right? Like, that can't be a... <laughs> Well, we're already derailed. We're not even. We've not even we're started, not even and we've already derailed. But there are six. Oh, <laughs> forced proximity, coffee sports. What's that? I don't want to know. Infidelity. Ooh, gun kink. Ooh, that's yeah, that that's checks cool. out for today's oh. episode. I mean, the last tags on this one fic. It's called Five Fictitious Liaisons featuring Marius Pomessi. Oh. This one's the Mabouf Georges Pomessi one. Um, and it also has Javert Marius and uh, the last tags are Gardens and Gardening, Marius's Daddy Boner, Five Things, Sad Old Men. So <laughs> clearly written for us. Yeah. Anyway, this is Brad Barricade to Lima's podcast. <laughs> uh, my name is Nemo Martin. I use say them pronouns. And I... Oh god, I am now no thoughts, head empty, only thinking about Javert Marius fix, which I definitely do not ship in any way. But now I'm going to read all six of those fix mm -hmm. out of morbid curiosity. This is Stevie, she they pronouns. Oh, that was very spitty. Can I do a second take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Let me have some water. A lot's been going on. That'll help dry your mouth. Yep. Are you just salivating over the thought of Javert <laughs> and Marius? Yeah. Regretted <laughs> <laughs> it as I did it. <coughs> I took a sip just as you did it, and I nearly spat water over everything that I own. God, Stevie. Uh, I'm actually sorry for that one, not fake sorry. <laughs> this is Stevie, she, they pronouns, primary researcher. And I don't think I should be allowed to say more words. <laughs> yeah, ever again. Podcast yeah. cancelled. We've really, like, God, we've only been, fuck, everything's falling apart, guys. <laughs> anyway. This has been a very on. cursed beginning. We've literally only been recording for five minutes and already everything has happened <laughs> in the world. Everything in the world has happened. Well, <laughs> the title of this chapter has come in it, so <laughs> continuing on. <coughs> I took another sip. God, I need to not drink any more water. <laughs> what will you learn? Uh, full title. Solace comes solo in loco remoto. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> masturbation, <laughs> object insertion. Non cogitabunta or paternoster. Yeah, whisper those sweet nothings in my ear. <laughs> so this is, it is not to be expected that two men alone together in a remote place will be saying the Lord's Prayer, which is... No, they won't be. <laughs> 
Victor Hugo playing off an old saying that he's used once before in Notre Dame because we lo- know he loves to reference himself. Mm. Um, but usually it's a lone man and a lone woman sort of implying that they're going to have sex. But this time it's mm. two men will do something criminal. Uh-huh. What will they be doing in that confession <laughs> box? Not that I've read many confession box fix in my life. So, where did we... Oh, so Marius was just listening to a crime being planned against the old man that we love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that was all being planned out. For all that he was a dreamer, Marius, as we've said, was a re- resolute and active kind of person. Even though he's got habits of solitary meditation, which has developed in him sympathy and compassion, he's got a diminished capacity for annoyance, but that's left a like greater capacity for indignation. Uh... Which I guess we we've seen him get mm. indignant or angry. Yeah, yeah, we talked quite a lot about him getting just <laughs> purely angry. We have. He's got the severity of a judge. Mm. He would take pity on a toad, but crush a viper. Huh. Non-binary rights. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, listening in on his neighbours, which is like a nest of vipers, um, it was a coven of monsters he had right in front of him. So I guess we must know that he's going to crush them. <laughs> But then they were described as toads last week. I guess that's when he thought that they were poor. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Fine. Okay, carry on. Okay, all checks out. But no, it turns out they vipies. Oh, and then mm. he says it with his word. These wretches must be stamped underfoot. Hmm. And he's also, so he's kind of a little bit um like, uh, because he's not really learned anything more that he wanted to learn. Like, he he has not got any more information on the lovely girl. Like, he's seen her, mm. but he didn't hear anything because he couldn't hear any words because she was in the room. Um, <laughs> mm. But he has learned about this ambush, and that means that she could be in danger, and certainly her father is. And even though, like, that fills him with dread and horror, he's like, ooh, but maybe this means I'll have the privilege of doing the one I love so much a service. Mm. So it's also filling him with joy that he could like maybe do something about this whole situation. Service kink, I see. Carry yeah. on. It, it, that checks out. Mm. Um, so he's like, so how am I going to do this service? Because I don't know where they live. Um, I could wait until six o'clock, like wait outside the door and try and tell Monsieur LeBlanc, but then... Jondrette's men might see me and they'll carry me away and then it'll all happen anyway. So what am I going to do? I've only got five hours left. There's only one thing he can do. Go for a walk. (laughs) And on that walk, he passes this really low, kind of like bricked up... uh, How's it described? Just Yeah, this low wall. Wow, I couldn't think of the word for wall. Um, we've said too many horrible words already this evening, all the normal ones are gone. Uh, so walking along this wall, he just so happens to overhear this conversation between two men. One bearded in overalls, the other long-haired in rags. And they're like, 
with patron Renette, it can't fail. Worth 500 francs each, and the worst that can happen, five years, six years, ten years at most. I tell you, this job can't fail. And then they start talking about Mm. the theatre. And Marius, using before unseen powers of deduction, (laughs) is like, hmm, this could have something to do with Jean Drette and his plotting. Putting, he's connecting the dots. But like, he's never the connected in- this well before. <laughs> yeah, right? So like, but, but now it's useful for the plot that yeah. he has that insert back again. <laughs> Suddenly, it all becomes clear to him. And like, that would be the point, Suddenly I guess. I see! Suddenly <laughs> I see! The uh, Kufarat Combefer watching their podcast of it all just like marius immediately being like oh this random conversation i just had there's no way that it's not connected to this plot i this other plot that i happened over here as well i feel like they just throw their papers and be like (laughs) like what like why was this so obvious to you and everything obvious wasn't like what is who are you Mm. I just can't, like, I don't know. I guess we have, we've been learning so much about this silly little boy. And, you know, we have seen him indignant and stuff. And yet, I'm still, you know, when it was like, he would stomp on a viper and I'm like, this wet boy? (laughs) Would he? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's a little damp cloth. (laughs) Even if he tried to stamp on the viper, the viper would just, like, look at him like, you... You what, bruv? Like, yeah. what are you trying to do? And then, well, then he would yeah. be shamed into leaving. <laughs> Wouldn't he? Like, that's, that's still my overarching image of him. Yeah, yeah. Just but then flushed I guess... bright red and embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. But then, so there's going to be, like, a lot of those little moments in these chapters where I guess Marius tells me with his words that that isn't what he's like, that he would stump a viper, that he is a brave boy, and I'm, every time I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm such a big brave boy. Uh... <laughs> but he really, like, he, he thinks that he is, so I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> is he? Well, in our pantomime, we hire the biggest, henchest fucking, like, bodybuilder to play Marius. <laughs> yeah. Or it's literally like two cat people play Marius and depending on how Hugo has written him in a scene, we send out our twink or we send out our bear. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just has to accept that they're Marius. The twink sits on top of the bear's shoulders and (laughs) they they play Marius together. Nice. Excellent. That's, That's the only way it can make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Marius was like, there's no way these two things aren't connected. And there's only one place I can go. To the police station. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and there's only one policeman. (laughs) (laughs) And so he also realises, because I think, was it the, if it wasn't the end of the last chapter that we read last episode, um, that he was like, oh, Dagnabbit, if only I hadn't given my money to that starving girl, I could have afforded a cab to stalk this girl. Yeah. But this time he's like, well, if I hadn't given that money to that girl, I would have got the cab and then I wouldn't have had this plot. So I guess it's a good thing that I gave her money. 
God. <laughs> He's so... I hate that. We we talked we talked a while ago about him being like riding on the currents of fate that's like in Jean Valjean's life. Mm. He's like commenting on it, being like, "Oh, I guess fate has its reasons." Like, shut up! You're not allowed to notice. <laughs> <laughs> Only one man can. You don't get to be meta. <laughs> yeah, it's also him being like, he was so like he was was he pissed? He was at least upset when he realized like, oh. I- gave her that money and now i can't chase the girl i love yeah that now he's like well now that it's benefited me because i feel i feel joy at the idea that i might have the privilege of doing the one i love such a service um now i'm okay that i've given money to her now that it's benefiting me again Yeah, I, I'm. I'm like I understand you more every day, Nemo. <laughs> and also, speaking of that, <laughs> next chapter in which a policeman gives a lawyer two punches. Well, I was like, here we fucking go. <laughs> Um, here we go. Here we go. So he arrives at the police commissioner and is like, um, no, at the. He's asking for the police commissioner. He's arrived at the Rue de Pontois, which is like a police house, I guess, uh, station. And an office an office boy is like, the inspectors, the commissioner, sorry, isn't here, but there's an inspector standing in for him. So already I was like, oh, <laughs> would you like to speak with him? Is it urgent? And Maris is like, yes, it is. He gets led into the commissioner's office. A tall mm. man. <laughs> was standing behind a grill with the using both of his hands to hold up the flaps of a huge triple caped Garrick coat. He had a square face, a thin, firm mouth, mm. <laughs> thick, very bushy, greying whiskers, a gaze capable of turning your pockets inside out. Um, that gaze was not penetrating, but searching. In appearance, this man was not much less ferocious or fearsome than Jondrette. Sometimes the guard dog is no less terrible to encounter than the wolf. Mm. <laughs> and this one dog-faced <laughs> policeman. <laughs> so, yeah, already, I w- exactly as Nemo is doing now, was, like, doing my reading, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know who this is. And he's like, what do you want? And he doesn't add. Monsieur. Oh, um, yeah, because he knows. Yeah. He knows that this boy is a. a, a he doesn't deserve it. And the conversation is Marius is like, oh, I'm looking for the commissioner de police. He's not here. I'm standing in for him. It's about a very confidential matter. <laughs> then speak. A very urgent matter. Then speak quickly. Yeah. It's like, oh, this bitch has got jokes. (laughs) He's got humour. We love him. (laughs) Didn't expect it. Uh, Maybe I should have. The indoctrination begins. (laughs) Copaganda. Here we go. All aboard. (laughs) (laughs) So this man is calm and... Uh, oh god, another word you never say aloud. Brusque? Brusque? Brusque, I think. Brusque. Calm and brusque. 
This man was both terrifying and reassuring. Mm. He inspired fear, but he also inspires confidence. Yeah. You know, and it's not so. just it's not just um getting a look at Chevert being humor. It's also him in contrast to Marius, which I think really seals the deal. <laughs> because yeah like I couldn't remember I didn't remember him being like actually like him and Jean Valjean did sass each other a lot yeah. back in the day but because mm. like they're both bringing me that same energy you're just like yeah whatever mm. but as soon as he was like then speak quickly then it was just like oh <laughs> he's a catty little man <laughs> literally <laughs> uh so, of course, because as we discussed earlier, Nemo, confidence is just so attractive. Um, <laughs> Marius is like, let me lay it all out there. And basically tells him the whole story, like everything that we've already had to live. And it's like, oh, and monsieur, I'm a lawyer. So, like, it makes it okay that I was listening in on all this stuff. <laughs> you can believe me, blah, blah, blah. Gives him all of the details. And ends by saying like oh and this is the house and the house number and at the mention of this number the inspector raised his head yeah. and said coldly so it's the room at the end of the corridor Ooh. and Maris was like oh precisely are you familiar with the house and the inspector's silent for a moment and then it's like apparently <laughs> mystery who could have um, lived there but his ex-lover <laughs> What other policeman once stalked the halls of this house? <laughs> and then he starts muttering to himself, talking <laughs> talking more to his own cravat than he is to Marius. And it's like, oh, Patron Minette must have a hand in this. And Marius is like, oh, I did hear that word mentioned. <laughs> and then he tells him, because of course he was correct this time, he, when he, his, he needed to for the plot to further, mm-hmm. um, that that overheard conversation was relevant mm. and the inspector's like mm-hmm, the long-haired one must be Brujon and the bearded one must be Demi Laird um, and then he's thinking again and is kind of like muttering to himself like oh I don't know what the old man's name is look now I've scorched my coat <laughs> they always make these damn stoves burn too hot because he's been warming himself by the fire this whole time like um, so I hope dog. every fan art has a singed part of his coat <laughs> Nemo <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I've ever seen I was like trying to I was um, flicking through my internal database of Javert fan art in my head and I don't think I've ever seen him attached to fire before um, he's very mm. much attached to stone or wood so this is a new and exciting development um. <laughs> yeah you ready to go draw the most um, accurate <laughs> <laughs> fan art of the fandom <laughs> just like a, a little tiny singe like at the bottom of his coat I yeah i was totally imagining um you know naruto's dad minato has his <laughs> yeah. cape with like flame decals on it <laughs> <laughs> yep definitely checks out that, the... <laughs> well we know it's it's quite an extravagant coat he's wearing it's got triple caped <laughs> Yeah, so triple caped and one of them has flame decals. It's just canon. Mm. There it is. 
Eat like the bottom cape could be uh god, I'm like, what does a fucking fire? It's like the hottest colour is like blue? the lightest one. Yeah. Yeah. So the bottom one's blue and then it goes up as if he is the flame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Draw it, make it so. <laughs> but yeah, then he's like, Ah, oh, the old Gorbo place. And remembers that Marius is there. Um was like, Do you see anyone else? Did you see a guy who looks like this? Um, did you see a damned little fop? And I was like, oh, he's describing those boys that we met. Um, a sly one with something of the old clown about him. <laughs> I'm like, I've been described in a similar way. Um, <laughs> and my favorite where he's like, um, and to each of the Marys is like, no. And he's like, did you see someone who no one ever sees? <laughs> you're like, why are you asking? But he's like, well, it's hardly surprising if you've not seen him. And he's like, no, who are they all? And he's like, well, it's too early in the day for them to be out. Anyway, I, I do know the place. So I know that there's no like hiding me or my officers in there without them realizing. No way of hiding inside without our cast realizing it. Then all they have to do is cancel the show. They're so modest. They don't feel comfortable with an audience. None of that. None of that. I want to hear them sing. Make them dance. <laughs> okay, so... I just don't remember Chabert like this. <laughs> He's a theatre gay like me. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Where'd this come from? Was it always here? Um... No, I feel like he's really coming into himself, you know, now that he's got his position of authority as inspector. I mm. think he's, you know, he's allowing his humour to come out. There must be something here that wasn't there before. <laughs> <laughs> Are we all bell to traverse beats? <laughs> I have written that fanfiction. Got... <laughs> have you? Have I read it? Uh, actually... Uh, it was a long time ago. I'm not sure if um, we were friends then. Oh, I have read that fan fiction. Maybe I did and I just didn't clock it was you. Well, I'll go find out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe, it, probably, like, it definitely is also that we've been having to deal with Marius for so long that ha having someone finally be like, you're a bitch yeah. <laughs> is really attractive in a man. <laughs> Kinning the first person who uh, comes around <laughs> to like um, validate us. Yeah, because it's like at this point that Marius is like, wait a second, he never called me Monsieur. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a good ten minutes into the conversation. It really, like, it really is. It's like it happened at the top of one page, and it's like at the bottom of the next page, and he's like. Wait a second. <laughs> Hold on, I've been slighted. I never had the courtesy. <laughs> yeah. Ending that monologue, he turns back to Marius and is like, are you afraid? Of what, said Marius, of those men? No more than you are, Marius uh, retorts. And the inspector eyes him quite intently. Mm. And then is like, mm, sp spoken like a brave man and an honest man. Courage has no fear of crime and honesty has no fear of authority. And Marius cu cuts him short, how dare he? Um, <laughs> that's all very well, but what do you intend to do? And the inspector's like, okay, 
I assume all the lodgers in that house have pass keys. Actually, I don't assume I did live there, so I know. So just straight into the lodgers in the house have pass keys to let themselves in when they come home at night. So you must have one. And he takes Marius's one off him so then the inspector can get in. Um, and Marius is like, as he gives it to him, is like, if you take my advice, you'll come in force. Oh, will you? <laughs> A full load, will you? The inspector gave Marius the kind of look that Voltaire... <laughs> <coughs> I had to cough to get more inhalation in. Yeah, good. I hope you took a sip so you could spit it. <laughs> the inspector gave Marius the kind of look that Voltaire would have given a provincial literateur who might have suggested a rhyme to him. Wow. That's devastating. <laughs> yes. And so beautiful. And... <laughs> Your faves coming together. Yeah. And as we know that Victor Hugo thinks about everything he says oh so hard, well-known bisexual Voltaire being compared to Javert. Yes. Yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> I like to really picture the look on Javert's face when Marius is like, this is what I would do if I was you. <laughs> Which is like doubly amusing to me because I do just picture Javert as a dog in a police outfit. <laughs> and then for the Nemo's listening, in a single movement, he plunged both hands, which were enormous. <laughs> wow, Stevie fucking cooled out. All right, I see. <laughs> into his huge pockets and pulled out two small steel pistols, the sort that are called punches. So that's oh. at that point they're like, oh, it was wordplay. <laughs> God damn it. When will we ever see <laughs> Marius sucked in the face? He's like, take these, go home, hide in your room. Um, so they assume that you're out. They're loaded, uh, each with two bullets. And it's basically like, so I want you to peek through that wall again on the happenings and when you think that it's gone too far but not a moment too soon like don't do it too early but when you think it's the right time sh take one shot and then i'll do the mm. rest and he reiterated twice they're so like not too soon so i'm like hmm i wonder if marius is gonna shoot too soon <laughs> um edge play sorry carry on <laughs> You're a lawyer. You must know what it means for by wait until the action has started. <laughs> mm. Also, the audacity of Marius being like, "I'm a lawyer," and it's like you haven't been a lawyer in years. <laughs> you actually, yeah, that's true. You dropped out of lawyer school. <laughs> you didn't even get to be a lawyer. <laughs> but he's trying to impress this big, huge man with enormous hands, <laughs> Nemo. How else is he going to get six fix out of this pairing? You know God, it just writes itself, though. Yeah, it really You does. go, you go, before I give you more fuel. But, you know what, uh, I just um, am very delighted to have rhymed in my head was um, he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. Java, Java. So we've got a football chance, so that's great. Yeah, ready for... Arpanto. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we get the crowd to chant whenever he comes on on stage. Yes, uh, perfect. Everything's coming up, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I know it really is today. Um, 
Marius takes the pistols and puts them in the side pocket of his coat. They bulged like that. Oh, did they? It's too obvious. <laughs> they bulged and his load was too big. <laughs> Put them in your trouser pocket. Don't shoot um, too early. Only shoot on my command. <laughs> Only when the action has really started. You know what I mean. <laughs> now, nobody can afford to waste a minute. What time is it? Half past two. Seven o'clock, was it? Six o'clock. That gives me enough time, but only just. Don't forget a thing I've said to you. Bang! One pistol shot. Shavaz <laughs> <laughs> just, like, we, we are bringing our A-star most, like, manic energy today. But, like, Shavaz just fun. He is. <laughs> it's new. I drew a really bad flame at the end of this Chapter. Oh my god. That's how excited I was. You know what? You know, every pantomime needs a dame, right? It's absolutely Javert. It's 100% Javert. Uh, please. All of this, like, it bulges. Mm. Like, all, like, it's all, like, this is all what you would have your panto dame saying. All of the innuendos. You know, there's um, the triple capes. I can't remember which one it is, but there is a Javert actor that I follow who is also a drag queen. So instantly cast. Um, like oh my god, no yes. doubt in my brain. Message them immediately and be like, "Do I have a pitch for you?" <laughs> um, hell yes. The last line of the chapter. By the way, if you need me between now and then, come here or send a message. Ask for Inspector Javert. <laughs> he's here, he's there, he's <laughs> every fucking where. It's Javert. <laughs> it's Javert. <laughs> so, best chapter of our life. Yeah. Next chapter, Jondrette goes shopping. Um, so now it's three o'clock, and Kufarek happened to be walking along the road that uh, we saw Marius was walking along, but I didn't feel the need to give you every single uh, road sign. Um, but yeah, so Kufarak's walking down the street with Bosway, mm. and the snow is falling even heavier than ever, and Bosway was just saying to him, look at all these snowflakes coming down. You'd think there was a plague of white butterflies in the heavens. Mm. And at that moment, he catches sight of Marius. Look! Marius! I saw him, said Kufarak. Let's not speak to him. <laughs> Hell yeah, two catty like, gays and one... Well, three. Well, no, Bosley well, like, is too too sweet to be a catty gay. Mm. Well, at first I was like, wow, Kufarak, get him. But then actually it went from that energy of like, let's not speak to him, I'm assuming they secretly hate him, mm. to actually the opposite energy, which was quite sweet. Where he's like, where Busway's like, well, why not? And he's like, well, he's busy. Can't you see the way he's behaving? Obviously, he must be following someone. That you're like, oh, he knows him well enough. <laughs> he knows he's a fucking creepy stalker. Aww. <laughs> I've seen that look on his face when he's followed someone before. <laughs> God. And um, Clifford actually assumes that he's following some flowery bonneted sweetheart minx because he's in love. And then Busway, they like look down the street, and Busway is like, "There's no women here." Oh. And then Kufrak's like, oh, "He's following a man." 
<laughs> one of us, one of us. And Kufrak's like, now this was uh, truly a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, now maybe we do need to see what's going on here. But the man's in a grey cap with a beard discernible, even from behind. And he's like 20 paces ahead of Marius, wearing a brand new overcoat that's too big for him, and some raggedy trousers. And is like, oh my god, who on earth is that? And Kufrak's like, that is a poet. Must be. Poets are quite happy to go around wearing rabbit skin dealer's trousers with peer of the realm overcoats. Uh, and Busway's like, we must follow Marius. I want to see where he's going. Like, please, let's go. Um, but Kufarak's like, you dreadful beast. You shouldn't follow a man who's following a man. <laughs> let's leave them to it. Wow. So they just turn around and go the other way. I I am in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that, is that what it's implying? That, like... Marius, Marius, that Kufrak like knows the etiquette of. Uh, I don't know. Could I argue it at a stretch? Yeah, I mean, I I would love it to be true, but if it was Hugo, he would be like <gasps> more right. I would assume so, but like I don't know. There's a lot of implications flying around here. Well, whatever the case may be. They just respectfully turn around and go the other way. Huh. In the world where that is what they assume, and, Mar- yeah. and K- Kufarek is like, we'll leave him be, like, good for him, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> How shocked would he be when it, when Marius turns up and is like, I'm in love with this girl? And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> like, Kufarek, actually, yeah, so in, in the podcast, Kufarek and Confera, like, you know what? we've been in the wrong you know we've made our assumptions but actually the reason he was so flighty and stuff is all these reasons so we're really gonna pack up the podcast now and like you know we shouldn't have made all these assumptions and then he comes and he's like oh um i've got a wife and they're like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) whence um so i guess they'll never know the mystery but now we get to follow marius though because we don't respect a man enough not to follow him following man (laughs) um Uh, in in, in this um uh uh uh, respect a man following a man i i just wanted to also say i was trying to uh, remember the name of the um the person who's played Javert before, who should be our dame. Um, their name is Hayden T, and they use he they pronouns. And in the Instagram bio, they have put Takata Pui, which is a Maori word uh, meaning intimate companion of the same sex. So we definitely have to have Hayden as our as yep. our dame Javert. <laughs> Please. Yeah, no, I just want to get back to Javert, but I've got to continue following Marius. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, Jondrette has no idea that he's already being followed, because mm. all of a sudden, Marius is really good at this police spy shit that he has been um, accused of before, mm. and is living up to. He follows him into one of the dreadful hovels on the street, remained in there for a quarter of an hour, then... He stops at the Ironmongers, which we had Jondrette discuss with his wife, mm. um, in there for a few minutes. And then Marius saw him leave, holding in his hand a big, cold, shiv- 
chisel <gasps> with a plain wooden handle. And then it's starting to get dark and the snow had stopped for a bit, but it's going up again. It's getting harder to see. And, you know, it's getting a bit late anyway. Mm. See Jondrette leap over that tiny little wall and he's like, well, you know... I should probably go back home anyway. Like, I want to get back before he gets back so that he doesn't see me go into the house. I don't want to let down this enormously handed <laughs> police inspector. <laughs> and he knows that the um, landlady or chief tenant, um, Madame uh, Bougon, goes out to wash uh, wash clothes wash dishes late at night and locks the door so mm. he needs to be back home because he gave the key to Javert so mm. um, he's hurrying evening's descending darkness is almost closed in on the horizon only one spot was still lit by the sun and that was the moon it was rising red behind the low dome of the La Salpitriere mm. which was the women's mental institution hmm. slash hospital refer to our special on women and inst- women being institutionalized yeah. for more information on that it's... I just love seeing a place that I recognize the name <laughs> of am I imagining thing more misremembering Was, wasn't the moon something to do with hysteria that they thought that like it caused hysteria and women or something like that i was wondering whether the like that moonlight and then shining on the female Mm. Mm. i feel like that's been a thing linked to werewolves and wombs yeah question mark it's definitely like too poignant of a little scene not to be saying something yeah yeah especially like that the moon is red on the dome of this like institution that uh, treated women really terribly. Yeah. But then also, why would yeah, why would that be coming up at this point? Other than what do you mean, Hugo? <laughs> well, I I do know that Mrs. Tenardier and uh, either one or both of the the girls get sent to prison. But it can't be a foreshadowing, right? Because otherwise they would foreshadow something else. Maybe it's just, maybe it's literally just a reminder that Victor Hugo knew the map of Paris, <laughs> um, even though he was not living in Paris at the time. It's always an option with Hugo. <laughs> foreshadowing something, I get. Well, let's pretend. Yeah. It definitely feels like an omen. Yes, yeah. So Marius gets home. He's just so, you know, he's just suddenly so capable. He's walking so quietly. It's like he's walking on moss with bare feet. Wow. Um, and he's tiptoeing through the house and he looks in one doorway and usually they're all empty and he can sort of see four white blurs of faces motionless uh, in this room and he just goes, really, he doesn't like pause to look any harder because he doesn't want to see, be mm. seen. And he gets back to his room without being noticed and without making a sound, just in time. Because um, then he has Mam Bougon going off and locking the door. Mm. So he did that quest. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so Marius goes into his room and he sits on his bed, waiting for it to be the right time because it's 
probably about half past five right now. Mm. And he's just sort of sat there thinking. He's like, oh, crime is moving forward on one side. Justice is coming up on the other. Justice sure is coming. <laughs> well, that won't mm. be the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wasn't afraid, but he does have some trepidation about what's going to happen. Mm. I just really imagine him as a little afraidy boy. Like, where's that come from? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, he, he looked at um, Jean Valjean and like nearly cried. So, where's his moral constitution? I don't know. Yeah, all over the shop. It's been such a long and strange day for him that like this all kind of feels like a dream to him anyway. Mm. Um, and whenever he needs to remember that he's not in the grip of a nightmare. He just has to feel the coldness of those two pistols in his trouser pockets. Mm. It's no longer snowing, but it's gotten dark, so you can really see the light that's coming in from the Jondrette hovel. It's through that tiny little hole that he was peeking through earlier. The light of what is, like it says, like it's probably just a candle, mm. but from the way it's coming through into his room, it gives it this reddish brightness that seems bloody to him. And there's complete silence from next door. It's chill and profound, but um, if it wasn't for the light, you would have thought you were next door to a tomb. Maris quietly takes his boots off and puts them under the bed. It froze of nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he knows that he needs to foreshadow something. Yeah, um, uh, Javert's foot fetish. Do you also have a tiny perfect foot like Cosette, Marius? That was so that was so me trying to force like the it's so obvious the the episode titled Grantaire's Foot Fetish has without a doubt the most number of downloads within uh <laughs> like within the last year. And so that was such a like cynical me saying the words Javert's foot fetish, thinking, oh that'll ramp up <laughs> listenership. <laughs> and it was it it definitely came out in a way where like I could hear it within myself just being like, oh I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this statement, but I have to get it out of my mouth. <sighs> mm-hmm. Well, um, this is a safe space. I'm glad that you could you could say your truth <laughs> or say what you know to be an untruth. <laughs> Javert's got something going on. Yeah. Must continue. Must soldier on. <laughs> Marius taking his boots off, uh, sitting there quietly for a few minutes, and then suddenly there's heavy footsteps on the staircase. Jondrette is home. Uh, and as soon as he hears Jondrette enter the silent tomb-like room next door, suddenly there's like a ton of voices and you realise the whole family was in there. But in the master's absence, they were silent, like wolf cubs when the wolf is away. And Jondrette's hmm. like, it's all going to plan. Hmm, my feet are devilishly cold. We do get a lot of knowing what's up with people's feet. Yeah. Victor Hugo. Oh, God intrusive thought you get to have it too Vicky likes to licky the toes <laughs> gross oh, you did you did give that thought to me yeah I'm gonna repress it down really fast <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to pretend like you didn't even say it. You got yourself all dressed up. Well done. You need to inspire trust. And he's, they're like, yeah, we're all ready to go. And he's like, and you won't forget what I've told you. You'll remember what to do. And they're like, don't worry. Don't fret. And he's like, so have you eaten? And the mother's like, yes. They had three big potatoes and some salt. And he's like, good. Tomorrow I'll take you out to dinner. We'll have duck and all the trimmings. And then he lowers his voice. It's like, the mouse traps open. The cats are in place. <laughs> Uh, Fun fact about potatoes. Sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off. <laughs> Go, Frederick uh, Voltaire's Fred oh, Friedrich yeah! was the one who who convinced the 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 poor people like he couldn't force them to eat potatoes, and so he like locked them up and was like nobody's allowed to touch my potatoes, and then everyone started stealing them. So. Uh... <laughs> Just another another fun fact about Voltaire's Bay today. That is the funnest fact. I I reread that a couple of days ago. Actually, it was like remaking the rounds on Tumblr. Just mm. like wow, that's he really was playing four D chess. <laughs> it was also uh, that that thought started because I was like, oh, it is really interesting that like the potato is this like kind of poor man food in nineteenth century France when. I mean, because of colonialism, right? Like, it was a new world um, good that got imported into Europe. And then, I guess, it's just so easy to grow that it became poor people food. But, yeah, it's wild how something so expensive to get (laughs) became something so ubiquitous to mean poor people food. Yeah. Mm. Anything that's too easy to uh, get your hands on goes that way. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's why British food stopped using spices. <laughs> you know? Because it was, everyone could buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so the nobles were like, well, actually, it's bad. Yeah. And we, the upper class, know that it's all about the integrity of the ingredients, except for the only things we can grow in this country are, like, roots. <laughs> and then they stop spicing them. <laughs> um, you know, um, so I grew up in a place called Croydon, which, for anyone who doesn't know, is in South London and is quite a poor community. It used to have loads of saffron fields, and that was like a big part of Croydon uh, was growing saffron, which is you know now one of the like it's so expensive to buy saffron. Mm. Um, but yeah, it used to be like um, the one thing that Croydon was known for, and then now it's all high rises. And um, <laughs> but it was interesting a couple of years ago. Um, they pulled down this like uh, kind of infamous building in the middle of Croydon, and they set up a like you you know like when you can like um, go to farms and pick fruits. Um, mm. They set up a temporary like saffron field where you could like go oh, wow. and just pick saffron from the flowers. Um, as I like remember when this was a thing. Um, so yeah, sorry that was <laughs> potatoes, <laughs> poor people food. Yeah, um, <laughs> we love to tangent each other and just <laughs> yes and the tangent. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
potatoes with salt, I guess, is, yeah, poor people food right now. Because he's like, well, I'm glad you've eaten, but tomorrow, imagine the meal that we'll have. Mm. Um, yes, the cats are in place. Um, he hasn't put out the fire, and he's like, have you oiled the hinges of the door so they don't squeak? And the mother's like, yes, I have. It's almost six o'clock. He's like, okay, girls, go out and keep a lookout. Um, you know, if you hear anything, come here immediately. Have an eye on the door at all times. Mm. He's like, oh, and like, is is the boy next door? Is he home? And they're like, no, you know, he's already he's always out for dinner at this time. He's like, are you sure? Mm. Um, they're like, yeah, we're sure. And he's like, all the same, go check anyway. Here's the candle, my girl. Go have a look. And Marius immediately drops on his hands and knees and crawls under the bed. <laughs> Uh, once again just being like really good at this and uh, the girl the older girl comes up to Marius's door and is like yeah he's not home the key's in the lock so he must not be here and I'm like how safety Marius your Mm. key's just on the outside of the door like I know like I actually know that has been set up but the housekeeper is like why do you do this? Yeah. And he's like, I have nothing worth stealing. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. I'll allow it. And the father's like, we'll go in there and check anyway. Mm. So she opens the door and Maris's heart is going so fast. Like he's got unspeakable anxiety. But there's a mirror nailed to the wall by the bed. And that's what the girl's coming in to look at. So... She goes on her tiptoes and she's looking at herself, smoothing her hair down with her palm and smiling in the mirror, singing to herself a little love song about how fleeting love is, but that you couldn't regret it. And Marius is meanwhile like trembling under the bed. And he's like, surely she can hear me breathing. Mm. She's imagining him properly like (gasps) 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 under the bed. But she's speaking aloud, so she's just in the panto, like, that is how loudly he's breathing, but she's just speaking to herself, and those women getting caught up in their reflections, Mm. nothing else exists. So yeah, she doesn't notice that he's panting under the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, She looks out out the window, and she's like, oh, Paris is so ugly when it's dressed in a white shirt, because of all the snow. Yeah. That's a very wild take. Mm. They're like, please cover. Whenever it snows that one time in London, you're like, cover up the sins. (laughs) Make it look less doity. Yeah. But then she goes back to the mirror and is like doing different poses, doing different faces, looking in three-quarter profile, straight on profile. Uh, And then the father's like, what's keeping you? And she's like, I'm looking under the furniture. There's no one here. So he calls her back and then he can hear the two girls running barefoot down the corridor because Jondrette is like, keep a sharp eye, all the same stuff, like, keep the door in sight, blah, blah, blah. Um, And the older girl's grumbling, standing guard, barefoot in the snow, which like, once, yeah, awful. But I'm just like, wow, there's just been a lot of what's going on with people's feet this yeah. chapter. I, it, like, every every second that we breathe is a, a second of borrowed time for the next <laughs> foot reference. <laughs> Ooh. That was a po- poetic sentence, though. <laughs> From you. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> that, that should be the... Twitter bio of the podcast. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and the father's like, 
Well, you'll have Jasper Green silk ankle boots tomorrow. I can't remember. I don't think this is right, but what was the stone that Jean Valjean learned how to make into rosary beads while he was incarcerated? You uh, kind of roboted. I think he said what was the material used, and it was jet. Oh, okay. Well, good to check. They both have a J. What was? I rescind my point. What was the what was the thing that was used here? Jasper. Ah, yeah. No, Jasper is green. Jet is black. Mm-hmm. So I won't extrapolate anything from the color of those boots. <laughs> yeah, I can. You can hear their feet pounding down the stairs to outside. Mm. Um. So now the only people in the house are Marius, the Jondrettes, and the mysterious individuals that he glimpsed through the door. <laughs> That's where we leave it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, living living on a footy high. Yeah, ready to thwart a heist. <laughs> it's just Marius and Victor Hugo's foot fetish against the world. <laughs> well, Marius is bulging pockets and mm. um, Hugo's Javert's a licky, a licky enormous. <laughs> saying horrible things over each other <laughs> really uh, inflicting psychic damage on ourselves more than we are on the other um yep. uh, i don't feel i feel like we we you started really manic and then like just started doing some real like war on our brains kind of bullshit throughout so yeah it's hard to come up with any like rounding up of what we've <laughs> what we've all been through any closing statements i really didn't like i don't know if i brought this energy to my reading of these chapters mm. but i really don't think i did because usually i'm quite tired when i get home from work and then i start reading these so i really think it was these chapters that gave me this energy that then i gave back to you yeah cycle of life baby yeah, I so I just like I don't know. I just didn't expect to enjoy Javert's. I Well, I just didn't expect him to be like sassy like that. And then that was just fun. We're gonna make a Javert of you yet? <laughs> oh, you just want to drag me down to your level where you have to admit to other people that you stand a cuff. Unfortunately, true. Well. Um, this has been Bread and Barricades, a propaganda <laughs> podcast produced by me, Martin, <laughs> and Julian Yap. If you too love this cop, then you can uh, donate to our Ko-fi or our Patreon, or leave us a review that says how much you love the institution of policing. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, you can send them to our email, lamespodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com, or to our Twitter, lamespodcast, or to our Tumblr, at Bread and Barricades. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasavi.com, or you can download this theme tune from her bandcamp, jdwasavi.bandcamp.com. If you don't know already, there is going to be a Barricades convention, I mean uh, a Lamers convention called Barricades, and you should go and get your tickets because I <laughs> am going to be the guest of honor and uh, Stevie and I are going to be on a panel about podcasting and yeah, 
You should do that. There will be a link in the description. We'll do our best to bring this week's energy <laughs> to that panel. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to say we will do our best to talk only about foot fetish, but um, <laughs> same difference. Not really. just that. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Thanks. And apologies? No apologies. Only licky licky time. <laughs>